the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. That's what Jesus said in John 10.10. And today we continue in this series on a spirit-filled life with a look at spirit-filled worship. You know, all over the world, worship is practiced in many different ways by many different cultures. But what is the point of worship? Jesus described a life of worship that is unique, powerful, and transcendent of culture and time. Pastor Sean's going to show you how you can live a spirit-filled life that will transform how you worship. So put a marker in John chapter 4 and Revelation chapter 4. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. The power of spirit-filled worship is the power of alignment. The power of spiritual worship is the power of alignment. What it does is it brings things that are out of order and it brings it all back into order in the way God intended. The power of spiritual worship is the power of alignment. And, and first thing we have to understand in what Jesus said and in what we've been talking about here is that worship is not about me. And it's not about you. It's all about him. Our biggest problem in all these church conflicts, and the great irony is that we have these conflicts over worship. What we're saying is we don't understand worship because it's about me. When we sit and whine about our, our preferences, yeah, I don't like that song. I hate that song. I don't like the way that young guy does it. I like the way the old guy does it. Or I hate the way the old guy does it. He's old. It's the young guy. I like that. Have you ever gotten, and you know, that's what Gerald and Kevin are talking about with the scorecards. Oh, but I like when this worship leader leads. I'm gonna, I'll find out when they're leading and then, then, then I'll come to church. That's messed up. But yet we do it. We treat it like it's some sort of variety show, and, and we're going to see if we like the show, and then we're going to be a part of that. That is broken. What that says is it's all about me. Worship is designed to please me, to make me feel. I, I want the style. I want the, the, the musical style. I want the, the songs I like. Oh, I like those songs. I don't like these songs. Oh, I hate this song. It, it, it's, not about, it's not about, wait a minute, is that a biblical reflection and expression of worship? Well, that's not the point. It's that I don't like it. And I wish that I could say that was an uncommon kind of conversation. It's not. And that's broken when we think worship, whether it be in my own personal life or in our congregational gathering, when I think worship is about me, I've missed the whole point of worship but all these different conflicts about style about songs about whatever they are miss the point there's a great passage of scripture that talks about corporate worship in ephesians chapter 5 and it begins with a passage that we hear a lot but not in this context but it's important that we understand that they're connected ephesians 5 beginning at verse 18 paul writes do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery but be filled with the spirit problem is we focus on the do not be drunk with wine, which is certainly a biblical idea, biblical instruction. But you understand, he's using that as an illustration. 
We gotta get it. We've gotten it all into legalism. And, you know, I don't know how you grew up, but there, you know, the idea that, that, you know, this is all about, and one of the big tenets of our faith is that we don't touch any alcohol. Well, of course, that's not biblical. We, don't, we understand that's not a biblical idea. That's something that we put on to try to somehow have some distinction. And as we said before, the Bible has enough really important distinctions. We don't need to add on to them. But it does say don't be drunk with wine. He says, for that is debauchery. It's brokenness. It's sin. It's wrong. But we, we forget why. The really important part of the scripture is why it's wrong. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Do you know what a powerful understanding that is about the Spirit? What do we call it when we're drunk? We are under the what? Under the influence. Now read that scripture. Don't be under the influence of wine, for that is debauchery, but be under the influence of the Spirit. That's the problem. And this is a statement about the Spirit, but notice where he goes right after that. So we think he's getting ready to talk to us about alcohol and he's not he's using that as actually an illustration an example don't get drunk with wine this is debauchery but be filled with the spirit and then he goes and says this addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody to the lord with your heart giving thanks always for everything to god the father in the name of our lord jesus christ submitting to one another out of reverence for christ notice that worship is flowing out of the infilling Notice the relationship of the Spirit participating in this idea of worship, preparing us and leading us in the context of worship. Worship is an act of the Spirit's infilling and an act of following in obedience to what the Scripture and the Spirit is leading us in. Philippians 3.3 3 says, We are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God. What does it mean to worship by the Spirit of God? In other words, His Spirit is going to, like with prayer, He's going to empower us and cause us to worship in a way that is in alignment with God's leadership. We who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul's talking about spiritual languages, and we're going to talk about that actually in another one of our teachings, but what he said in verse 15 I think is significant. He says, what am I to do? He says, I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. Listen to that. That's very significant. I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind. Both are good, but they're different. Interesting idea. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing praise with my mind also. You mean there's two ways to sing praise? I can sing praise with my mind, which when I see the right work of songwriters, we sang a song this morning, that song right before communion. Thank you, Lord. You don't have to come, but you always do. That was, that was giving words to some things that I think about the Lord, and it was an opportunity for me to join in unity with the congregation and worship him for that aspect. And I'm, I'm worshiping with my mind. That's a wonderful thing. There are things where I think about God, and I think about his nature, and I worship him with my mind. But there's also this point of the Spirit taking me to a different place in worship. Those who worship, worship in spirit and truth. There's something more in the context of worship, folks, and we better get way past song services or orders of services, or liturgies, or traditions. And we better understand this is the defining issue of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Worship. The power of spirit-filled worship is the power of alignment, and it is spirit-filled. Worship is spirit-fueled. Worship is spirit-led. A few points and observations Number one, spirit-filled worship aligns my heart to his heart. 
Spiritual worship aligns my heart to his heart. It has to be something that begins in the heart. One of the scariest things is when we find ourselves going through the motions in worship and worshiping in kind of through rote, and we find there's this duplicity in my heart. One part of me, I'm saying this, my lips. Another part, I'm actually over here with my heart. Jesus in Matthew 15 addresses some actually religious leaders who were guilty of that kind of duplicity. Beginning at verse 7, he says, you hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, and he's quoting Isaiah, now this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. See, worship begins in the heart. Jesus said, guard your heart. It's the wellspring of life. Everything flows from my heart. In worship, when I worship, what the Spirit does is he brings my heart into alignment with his heart. And whether this is privately with me and the Lord, just times of communion together, my heart is being brought into alignment with his heart. There's a heart issue at stake. Or when we're together in these corporate times, this isn't just the warm-up band for the pastor. And I've I've seen people treat worship like that, and it's shocking. Well, I don't, you know, I'm not into singing songs and stuff, so I just come in. I know people who have come in kind of towards the end of worship, you know, because they feel like they're obligated to get the message, you know, otherwise, you know, I'll go to hell or something. They have no idea what's happening in worship. Worship is that part where my heart is aligned with his heart, where I engage with Father, not someone else doing it for me. The music, the band, the worship songs, the scriptures that we read, they are a backdrop to the work of the Spirit. And to the degree that we're sitting there and just kind of watching someone else and waiting kind of to, to get to the next element, we're absolutely missing what the Spirit wants to do in worship. Worship, Spirit-filled worship, aligns my heart to his heart. I just want to say every time we gather together in this place, we give an opportunity to do some much-needed heart work. Because remember, that's what it's all about. The first commandment is no other gods before me. Remember that? Second is you'll have no idols. Remember when Jesus was asked, what's the most important command? He quoted something that was quoted in Hebrew culture. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The most important thing. Worship is about God first. First in my heart. And understand something, anything else that competes with, with God for that first place in my heart, that's called an idol. We sit and look at pagan cultures, oh, they were so primitive, we don't do that. We don't, we don't carve images and then bow down to them. Yeah, maybe not. We just get careers and bow down to them, or other people and bow down to them, or public opinion and bow down. Whatever, whatever else it is, whatever it is that I say, well, God, I want you to be first, but I have to do this. God, I would, I would do what you're asking me to do, but I can't. I, I have to do this. Anything that is before him is an idol. And so in our gatherings or in your own personal times, when you begin to engage intentionally in communion, spirit to spirit, worship with God, you have an opportunity to do some heart work. And I want to encourage you. It's an opportunity to say, Lord, is there anything? I may be aware of it. I may know exactly what that thing is that's, trying to push him off that first place in my heart. Or I may not be aware. Lord, is there anything 
And as you ask, God brings something to mind. A relationship, a pursuit, a goal, a dream, a financial objective. It can be anything. If there is anything that is in that first place other than Him, everything is out of alignment. Because everything flows from the heart. Everything flows from the heart. Spiritual worship aligns my heart to His heart. It's where I say, Lord, I love you. Lord, you are my first love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So when we worship together, or when you, you engage with the Father in private, God, I love you. I want you to be first. Because worship, real worship, is in spirit and in truth. And let's take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church, in this message called Spirit-Filled Worship. It's in a series called Spirit-Filled Life, as found on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue to help others just like you. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. River City Community Church is a church for real life. Real life is what we were created for and what we're all about. In fact, our mission is more people living real life by passionately following Jesus. Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Azaro, and we believe we were made to have a life full of meaning and purpose that can only be found in relationship with our Creator. That's what real life is. It's not just a church thing. It's a way of living that powerfully impacts every area of our lives. River City is come as you are and has a relaxed, casual feel with practical teaching, inspirational worship, and age-appropriate ministry for the whole family. We're located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Rotama Park. Our service times are Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15 and Mondays at 7 p.m. River City is a church for real life, and so our home on the web is reallife.org. We hope you'll come and see us as you travel the road to real life. And now the conclusion to the message, Spirit-Filled Worship. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. The power of spirit-filled worship is the power of alignment. Second, spirit-filled worship aligns my life with his life. Spirit-filled worship aligns my life with his life. This, and this now gets down really to the core issue of worship, because what comes out of the heart will always impact your life. And spirit-filled worship brings that alignment. In fact, my favorite verse on worship in the whole scripture is Romans 12.1. Paul writes, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Living sacrifices. And the Hebrew listener would have understood, because they understood sacrifice in the context of worship. In fact, many of the Gentile or even the pagan readers would have understood the idea of sacrifice in worship. In Hebrew worship, sacrifice was to atone for sin or to make a thanks offering to God. Sacrifice was the idea. What Paul is saying is, okay, it, under Jesus Christ now, sacrifice has now gone and become something very deep and very personal. It's not about stuff anymore. You present your bodies as living sacrifices. God doesn't want to kill you. He wants you to live as a sacrifice for him. Colossians, he says, you have died in Christ and your life is now hidden in Christ. This is your spiritual service of worship. So what happens when you are a living sacrifice? Um, key words are surrender and obedience. That's worship. Because God is first in my heart. Everything else is competing for second place. 
So in my decision-making grid, as a living sacrifice, the question is not, what do I want to do or what's most expedient for me? The question becomes, Lord, what do you want? Because that's the heart of a worshiper, a living sacrifice, a surrender and obedience. And you know what that means? When you talk about God being first and, and surrender and obedience being the response, um, it's not just songs or prayers or meditations that are our worship. Do you understand when you're driving down the road and you see someone broke down on the side and you want to go do one thing and God nudges you and says, no, I want you to stop and I want you to help. I want you to serve them. Or a neighbor up the street who has a need and God goes, I want you to go and serve them. Do you know when you do that, that has just become an act of worship. But there's no song involved. I recommend you play Christian music while you do it just to be safe. Um, No, I'm kidding. (laughs) You want to cover all the bases. But you know what I'm saying. Because you responded to the Lord in obedience and you said, Lord, your way, not my way, that becomes an act of worship. You just became a living sacrifice. And you began to worship him. And he receives it as such. Your acts of obedience become holy acts of worship because they're a reflection of he is first in my heart. See, what this time is when we worship together, what that means is it is a time of holy surrender and offering. And you know what the offering is? You. Your offering that you bring. It's not just finances. That's a part, obviously, but you understand you're offering you. So yes, my finances belong to God and We faithfully tithe as a representation of that. We give as a representation of that. But you understand, it doesn't stop there. Because everything I have is God's. My house is God's. My car. My family. Because I'm his. Anything that is under my control or anything that I possess is his because fundamentally I'm his. And so in our times of worship, what's happening is we are offering ourselves. So when we sit here and we get together, we stand and we sing and we worship... I just want to say you are offering yourself. I mean, when people raise their hands in worship, that can be an expression of, Lord, I love you and I want to be close to you. It can be an expression of, Lord, all that I have is yours. Paul said, I would that men lift holy hands in prayer to the Father. That is a biblical expression, as well as bowing the head, as well as, well as kneeling the knee. They are all biblical postures of worship. I just want to encourage you. Offer yourself. That's the point. The point is that you are saying, Lord, I love you, and I want my heart aligned to yours. And Lord, you're first. My life is aligned with your life. And in these gatherings, when we worship, we are offering ourselves to him. It is not passive. We are not spectators. This, what happens up here, this is the backdrop to what's happening out there as we offer ourselves and say, God, your way, whatever you desire, I offer myself to you. If you want to raise your hands, you do it. I know some of you, that's a little weird, and so you're like, oh, I'm, I'm more of a one of these guys. That's okay. Okay, don't worry about it, all right? Remember what Kevin and Gerald said? I can't imagine. I can't believe I'm quoting their video, all right? <laughs> don't tell them that, okay? They, they, those guys, you know, don't let them know. But their whole point is it's not a show. And just because you don't sit and try to make it, you know, some sort of song thing where you're showing off for people, worship expressions can be a show for people. What I would say is none of that. It's you and the Lord. And if you're in a place where you need to sit before him and put your face in your hands and go, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, you do it because God hears that and it's powerful. That's spirit and truth. 
Do you need to say, God, I'm so thankful, God, you are too good. Then do it, because it's true, spirit and truth. Or if you just want to sit quietly, Lord, I am so thankful. I couldn't begin to express enough good. If you want to sit, you want to kneel, you worship the Lord. What is critical is that it be authentic and it be real. The power of spirit-filled worship is the power of alignment. It brings us into alignment with reality. Last thing, and this is so important, I want you to hear it. Spirit-filled worship aligns my circumstances with his authority and his power. Spirit-filled worship aligns my circumstances with his authority and his power. Listen to this. I want you to understand something. When you worship, you bring your world, your circumstance, into alignment with the power and authority of the king. Any situation or circumstance is different. You can have a crisis in your life, and the minute you, you stop panicking or stop going, oh my gosh, what am I going to do, or where am I going to get the money, or, the minute you stop and you say, God, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to exalt you because you are still king. You are God. You are over this. Do you know you bring that situation into alignment with the throne room of God? It's as though the throne, the very throne, the authority, the seat of authority and power of heaven now rests on that situation. And that situation is now under the authority and power of God. Which I don't know about you, I want every situation in my life in that place. Because that's a great place for it to be. And do you understand, when we worship as a congregation together... This is really cool. I want you to hear this. I want you to visualize this. This place, it is as though it is transported into the very throne room of God, and this place comes under the authority. This gathering, this spiritual atmosphere comes under the authority of the throne room of heaven, the very throne of God. I want you to consider that. Whether, and, and I don't want, you know, I'm not going to get into the metaphysics of it, whether the throne of heaven now is representative here or whether we come into alignment with the throne of heaven. I, I don't know. All I know is he's exalted. He becomes king. And that same place of submission to his authority and his power, his grace, is poured out because we stopped. And we said, Lord, you're king. This place becomes a reflection, the resting place of the throne of God. In Revelation 4, John gives us a scene. And I want you to visualize this because that's exactly why he wrote it. That's why God gave it this way. That's why John wrote it this way. This was for us to envision. And I want you to notice some of the language. Just listen to what John wrote. He says, after this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here, and I'll show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on those thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal, 
And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes, front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second like an ox, the third with the face of a man, and the fourth like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say. Now understand what he just said. It's not they will never cease to say. No, he says right now, this is happening. They never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who's seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him, who's seated on the throne and worship him, who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory, honor, and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. When we worship... We bring our circumstances, whatever we face, we bring this place under the authority of the king that is powerful and it is absolutely transforming idea. It brings us under the authority and the leadership of the king. So the theme of corporate worship, the theme of personal worship is always the same. It is surrender. It is, Lord, you are king. And because of that, it brings that into alignment with the reality of the universe. Every time we worship, folks, we bring an offering and a sacrifice, if you will. And that sacrifice is us. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. If you'd like to hear this full message called Spirit-Filled Worship, it's available right now on demand when you find the sermon series on the Spirit-Filled Life at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a note that this program blessed you, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. And we hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.